Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. Good afternoon. We should be live now. Shaz Nawaz here. Thank you very much uh, for joining me and Drayton. We'll, we'll see people join us uh, as uh, this interview progresses. And I'm absolutely delighted to have you here, Drayton, because I know we've been trying to do this interview for quite a while and we had it booked in just before lockdown and you're going to come to Peterborough uh, and, and then obviously the world went upside down and I'm sure you've seen the world go upside down on a number of occasions which you'll happily and openly share because you're, you're like that but for anybody who doesn't know Drayton you should know Drayton you're missing out uh, in my opinion uh, Drayton is by far the best copywriter uh, in the UK and one of the best copywriters in the world and the simplest way to prove that is if you go onto Drayton's website and you see people like Gary Bensavenga, you see Clayton Makepeace, you see many others saying who are fantastic copywriters in their own right by the way but you see them and hear them saying that uh, Drayton is one of the best that kind of shows you how good he is uh, he's also a fantastic uh, diet marketing expert. He's been at the game for a very, very long time. He's not only a master, he actually teaches the masters. So, so what Drayton doesn't know about diet marketing really isn't worth knowing. Uh, and I think David Ogilvy, who I love a lot uh, and I have, have learned lots from him over the years, said Drayton Bird knows more about diet marketing than anyone in the world. Uh, so if David says that about Drayton, then I think we don't need to say anything else uh, to introduce you, Drayton, whatsoever. So thank you for being here. How are you, my friend? I'm very old. I'm very old. Uh, I wake up every morning and I breathe on the mirror to see if I'm still alive or not. Um, you asked me a lot of difficult... Well, you asked me some questions which I'm going to try and answer. And if anybody listening to this thinks, what on earth is he talking about? What does he mean by that? Is he, is he drunk? This was a bit early to be drunk. <laughs> you can drop me a line. You just drop me a line. And it's very easy to drop me a line. Uh, because you just write Drayton at DraytonBird.com. And you write something like, what on earth are you, are you talking about when you said that melons grow on coconut trees? It's not true. Or whatever. So I'm going to try and answer the question that well, shall ask me the questions. I'm going to answer the questions I prefer to answer. But these are the questions they asked. He said, "Why do so many, uh, why are so many small businesses poor at marketing? What should they be focusing on?" And then he wants me to talk about my business journey and the lessons I've learned. My business journey is a series of catastrophes with an occasional success. And always remember, by the way, that you only have to succeed once, thank God. <laughs> then he said, could I give top tip, some top tips for young entrepreneurs and three skills every business owner should master? Um, what I'm going to try and do is, 
Well, there's a very good quote. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Robinson Crusoe, written by Daniel Defoe. It made into a few films. And uh, Daniel Defoe wrote something very interesting, which I put into one of my books. He said, The mariner to sail with is he who has been shipwrecked, for he knows where the reefs are. So most of them are going to tell you that it's going to be about my shipwrecks. <laughs> and why case of successes so that you know what not to do. Um, so um, I think in Hamlet, Shakespeare, uh, one of the characters for Raphael, I think, said, I cannot speak of that which I do now. So everything I'm going to tell you about relates to what's happened to me, uh, usually through my own stupidity and occasionally because I got things right. Um, so let's talk about why businesses fail, not just small businesses, all businesses. Yeah? I've worked with huge businesses, IBM, American Express, blah, 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 all over the world. And I've worked with small businesses and I've run my own small businesses, sometimes into the ground very quickly. Um, and it's all the same, it doesn't matter, big people, just, just bigger people making bigger mistakes that cost more money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's that when you're starting, it's bloody hard. And I started trying to, to run a business in my mid-twenties when I was the creative director uh, of an agency in London uh, before most of you were born. And I failed miserably. Um, I haven't got time to talk about that. But I'll talk to you a little bit about when I finally got it wrong. Or rather, when I finally got it right, I got it wrong several times. I finally got it right. What, what happened with me was that um, I and I was in a pub in Nicebridge when a, a bright young man said to me, he said, this direct marketing thing is going on. Quite a bit. You seem to know more about it than anyone else on the map. Maybe you should do something. And I said, thank you, what direct marketing is. It's, in those days, it was just seen as anything, anyway, any way you sold to somebody directly. Yeah? So it was usually mail order. And now it's anything on the internet because everything on the internet is direct. Yeah? So anything, when people talk about digital, for instance, that's the sort of thing I'm talking about now. So I started a business, um, and the first question I would like you to address yourself to when you consider building a business is a statement made by a brilliant, now no longer with us, uh, professor called Peter Drucker. Um, and he said, uh, there is only one source of profit in business, it is your customer. So if you want to succeed in business, the first thing you've got to remember is spend most of your time thinking about your customers. And what should you think about? You should think about uh, what you're going to do for your customers. Not what you do, but what you're going to do for your customers. Um, and the best definition I've ever heard of how you should consider Going into business, what you should bear in mind is this. It's a phrase uh, by a man called uh, 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 
um, I can't even remember his name actually, he said, to whom are you offering what ultimate benefit? To whom are you offering what ultimate benefit? Um, by the ultimate benefit, it means not what you do, you might do all sorts of things. It means what is it going to do for your customer? What is it ultimately going to do for your customer? Yeah? So if you take Shaz, Shaz is an accountant who works a lot in the property field. And he could probably say to you, oh, I think I'm going to talk to you about how accountancy relates to the property field. He doesn't talk to you about that. He talks to you about what you're interested in. The ultimate benefit you're interested in is how can I make more money out of profit, out of property without going raving mad? Yeah? That's the ultimate benefit. So first of all, think, what is it that you can do that you know about that will offer the ultimate benefit to your prospects? And who are those people? Because you have to spend all your time thinking about who those people are. And sometimes, uh, if I may come in, Drayton, is people kind of struggle with that. Uh, they either don't have clarity on their ideal customer profile because when you kind of speak to them or ask them, they, well, everybody's my customer. Anybody who wants to walk in or go onto my website and click this button three times and give me their credit card and has a pulse uh, uh, can have my goods uh, or my services or my products. Uh, and then they also struggle in demonstrating value or benefits. Uh, so any thoughts on that in terms of how people can gain more clarity on their ideal customer profile and how they can get better at communicating the benefits of what the end user gets? Well, you have to spend, you know, if I may, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how I went about things and now I made a million or two, yeah? Yeah. Because I, I, in 1977, I was so broke that, and in so much trouble, I was living under a false name. Uh, and this guy had said to me, oh, you should do something in direct marketing. And I noticed that direct marketing was doing very well. And I went into business with him and another guy who got fed up and left the pair of them. One of them made millions afterwards. <laughs> um, so he was better off without me. Um, so... I thought, uh, what are we going to offer? Uh, let's do some research. And what we did was we wrote two letters. Uh, and one was about one thing that we could have done because one of my partners and I were experts in international advertising. So we wrote one letter about international advertising and how we could help, and another one about direct marketing and how we could help. And the direct marketing one, which was four pages long, uh, we sent out 72 letters that we, we got, I can't remember how many letters, we got 72 replies and 12 people wanted to do business with us. Yeah. Mm. Um, actually, the four-page letter was quite funny because a, a, an advertising creative director wrote back and said, nobody reads the four-page letter. By the way, uh, you have a grammatical error at the top of page three. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. Um, so what we then did was um, go on the phone to these people and we got, we got the business, yeah? And then we did lots and lots of things that other people don't do. And this is the, going back to your original question, why do people fail? 
The first big reason I found they don't have a plan. Yeah? Yeah. They don't write down a plan. I do not plan in my personal life, <laughs> but I did plan then. And how did I plan? <clears throat> I worked out who were our most likely prospects. We were offering direct marketing, so therefore our most likely prospects were people already doing it, mail order companies. So we approached mail order companies and we got one client, one very big client. And we did something, by the way, that people don't normally do. We charged much more than anyone else. That's always a good idea because you can always come down from a high price, but very difficult to go up from a low price. So we got one customer. Obviously, the one about international marketing, that didn't work at all. Yeah. Now, the next thing you have to think about, okay, you've got a plan, you know who you're going for, you know, you've got to find out where you get hold of them. And we used every single thing you could possibly use to try and reach people. We used direct mail, it was followed up on the telephone, we used to go out and make speeches, I used to go out and make speeches, uh, we used to go and attend events. We did every single thing you can do. We ran advertisements. Oddly enough, most advertising agencies don't believe in advertising, but we did. Uh, so we did everything you could possibly do to get business. Yeah? And we measured our results. And we became well known. Yeah? But having got a plan, you have to say, Keep an eye on what's going on in the market. I don't care what kind of business you're going into, you need to keep an eye on what's going on in the market. And it can be a big market or a small market. And you have to think about what are you going to offer that's going to make people happier than your competitor offers. And it can be any kind of business. I'll give you an example. I used to live in a big house before my last divorce uh, in Somerset. And I used to go and work in London in, in Mayfair uh, and I'd catch the train back and on the way back on a Friday we'd pass two fish and chip shops in Bridgewater and one always had a big queue outside it and the other one didn't. And why? Yeah, because the one that had a big queue outside it used to offer a lot more chips than the other one. Mm. They weren't any better in theory, you yeah? What did it mean that they offered more, a lot more chips? They got more customers. What did that mean? It meant that their fish was fresher because they were selling more fish. Eventually, the other business went broke. So it can be a tiny little thing that makes the difference. So I'll give you another example. A mail order company used to sell women's clothes. And they used to, when they sent the clothes out, they'd also send out a beautiful garment bag, which they hadn't mentioned in their advertising. So it was a lovely surprise. So try and think of, if you're looking at your, your, what you're trying to do, try and think of what you can offer that other people don't offer. And it can sometimes be quite simple. No? So that's the next thing. The next thing is, having decided what you're going to do and it's working, keep an eye on what's going on. Always keep an eye on your competition. So I noticed that, we noticed that, New companies were suddenly getting interested in direct marketing. Big companies like Coca-Cola, IBM, they became clients of ours. Um, and I, I thought, oh, we'll stop going after the mail order people because they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. We'll start going after the big companies that don't have a clue and have lots of money. Yeah. 
And so in no time at all from being flat, none of us had a penny. We were all desperately, desperately broke when we started. One of my partners, his sole possessions were a clapped out Volvo, uh, which had one front seat missing. <laughs> and he used to wear a pinstripe jacket with a rip down the back. <laughs> One pair of jeans and a pair of boots, and that was it, yeah? Yeah. We were absolutely desperate. But all of a sudden, within a relatively small period of time, we were doing well, and we started getting these big companies. Now, there's a, I always remember I went to see a big, uh, a very large firm, one of the big management consultancies, and the guy I went to see was wearing... Uh, a tie with a pink elephant on it. And I said, what's that? I always ask people questions, by the way. People love it if you ask them questions. They like you. And one of the tricks, of course, if you want to sell to people, make them like you. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, what's that? He said, oh, he said, we're such a big organisation. He said, we've got a big project going on called Make an Elephant Dance. Yeah. In any business, you've got to be nimble, you've got to be quick, you've got to be watch what's going on, yeah? So you've got your little business, it's trotting along, keep an eye on what's going on. So that's what we did, we kept an eye on what was going on. And when you say keep an eye on what's going on, are you talking generally about the income coming in, the expenditure going out, or are you talking about ad spend, return on investment, because obviously people aren't always clear on all. Are you talking about keeping an eye on, on the operation side or the marketing side or the finance side, uh, people? Uh, what, what are you talking about specifically? Because what I find as an accountant, uh, most businesses definitely don't have a handle on their numbers, by the way, uh, Drayton, which, which is no surprise to you, of course. And then if you try to have a conversation about saying, keep uh, a tab on your KPIs, key performance indicators, or your income and expenditure report uh, on a regular basis, uh, once a month, let's say, and it's very alien to people and they just don't feel comfortable with that. They don't enjoy that perhaps. They don't invest enough time. So when you think keep an eye on your business, which aspect are you talking about? Oh, which aspect? <laughs> Many aspects. Yeah. Number one, what are your competition doing? Number two, and from your own perspective, incredibly important, what is happening to the messages you're sending out? So we ran ads, we sent out direct mail, we used the phone, we used to go to events. I used to say to my partner, you can't go to this event unless you can prove to me that it pays for itself, that whatever it costs to go there has got to pay for itself. Huh? I kept an eye on the money, and I'm, I'm very outspoken. And we'd worked out that we needed a thousand pounds, no, back in 1977, to keep us going. And every Wednesday, I would say to my partner, who's called Glenmore, I'm very frank and outspoken, by the way, and I, there's actually a film being made about me called Dragon Fucking Bird, so this is true. <laughs> I used to say, Glenmore, on Wednesday, I'd say, Where, Glenmore, where's the fucking grand? Yeah? So I wanted to know, where is the money? Yeah? Next. What were the results of what I was sending out? I want to know every message, what response it had got, how many people replied, turned into sales, and so on and so on. Yeah, every single thing. I used to go in when I had a bigger business, when I sold my business and was running a big agency, 
every morning, the first thing I used to do was go and talk to the the financial guy because I don't understand money. So first thing, eight o'clock in the morning, I'd go and talk to him, tell me what's going on. Yeah? I kept an eye, you keep an eye on what your competitors are doing all the time. You keep an eye on your most important asset, which the most important asset you have in business after your idea is your staff. Your staff. People always tell, I see all this crap on here about leadership and this, that, and the other, and how managing people and this, that, and the other. You know what we used to do? I'll give you a, the best story I can tell you about. When I sold my business to, to Ogilvy and Maiden, uh, David Ogilvy came into my office in Soho Square one day, and he came up to me and he said, Drayton, he said, can you tell me what you do? And I said, what do you mean, David? He said, well, you're not the creative director, you're not the chairman. You're not the managing director, and I said just as well because I couldn't manage the way out of a paper bag. <laughs> he said, "What do you do?" I said, "I'm in charge of entertainment, David." And he said, "What?" And I said, "My job is to make sure that there's so much fun working here that people come in early and leave late and enjoy the intervening period as much as possible." I used to walk around with a hat with, with a leopard hat everywhere. People used to take pictures of me with this leopard. I used to walk around dictating copy. I still dictate my copy. Yeah. So you keep them on every single aspect of your business and every single aspect you can find out of other people's business. You want to know who you, are your competitors doing well? Why are they doing well? And most of all, what about your customers? You know, your biggest asset is your customer. Uh, Julius Rosenwald, who built up Sears Robot, which has been ruined by one of Mr. Trump's friends, it was the biggest organization of its type in the world, he used to say, my ambition is to stand on both sides of the counter at once. Yeah? Mm. And I, I remember I, I used to, I went to Ireland a few times to, to buy paintings and for all sorts of reasons when I had money. Um, and there was a guy there called Quinn who had a chain of supermarkets. And I, I'm always fascinated by people. People, The guy who saved... Uh, Chrysler in the 1970s once said that he wrote a book. One very interesting. One thing was very interesting. He said, "If you want to succeed at Chrysler, he said, you better get on with people." He said, "Because that's all we've got around here." Yeah. So Mr. Quinn, who only said change supermarkets, I said, "What does he do?" He he goes in and he sits and he watches what people are doing in his supermarkets, and he noticed, for instance, I remember the story that he noticed that. Women were, usually the women were shopping, they were really fed up with the way that their children used to pester them at the checkouts because they wanted sweets, yeah? Yeah. So he moved the sweets away from the checkouts. So you, you look at every single aspect of what's going on. My parents uh, ran a pub, and what did they do in their spare time? Their pub was very, very successful. What they did in their spare time was go to other pubs to see what they were doing and to see how they could beat them. I mean, that's really what it's all about. So it's all about knowing how your messages are working, knowing what's working, what's not working. That's why your database is so important. Your database is your biggest asset after your customers. Well, it is your customers. Of course it is. You're right, and, and people obviously don't communicate and, and keep keep in touch with, which I'm sure will move on to 
Uh, I assume you were talking about Lee Iacocca when you're talking about Chrysler, because uh, he's one of the famous guys who obviously rescued them when they were due to go down under. And uh, I read a, a story somewhere, Drayton, in fact, uh, that when Chrysler were struggling big time, uh, one of the first things he did was just walk around, talk to staff, see what's going on. Uh, he, he went to the back, saw them making the cars uh, and said to a guy, how do you think we can make this car better? And the guy said, if this were a drop top, I think this will do well. He says, really? So he goes to one of the engineers and he says, grab a blowtorch, take off the roof, okay? And let's see how it looks. That's, and, and that's exactly what they did. Within a few hours, he's in the car, driving up and down the road around colleges, universities, to see the kind of feedback they get from people uh, while they're driving that car. And uh, the feedback that, that they get is people like this car. And that, that, that was the extent of his research, asking people what uh, they think he should do, doing it with speed, and then going out there and doing the market research physically. Uh, so he is a very interesting guy. We've got Manoj here. Manoj, thank you very much for joining us. And Alison, and Alison says she totally agrees uh, about your point in terms of staff being the best asset. Manoj has a question for you and says, Drayton, which form of advertising do you think is the most effective for property investors from direct mail to Facebook, LinkedIn, in terms of cost and hit ratio? There you go. That's a good one for you. Thank you for that question, Manoj. I don't know. Uh, the, the, uh, there is a very good statement, um, and I can't remember who said it. It'll come to me. I know a lot, but my memory is I'm senile. Um, it, it, he said there is only one answer to... Oh, this is John Caples. He said there is only one answer to every advertising question. Conduct a test. You don't know. Any, anybody who says they know is talking rubbish. Until people have parted with money for whatever it is you're offering, you're in trouble. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. If anybody um, who listens to this or watches this finds it interesting and they're curious about, they've got a question. I have a thing called R-Straighten. Uh, very clever, R-Straighten. Um, <laughs> And I answer questions, yeah? So all you have to do is drop me a line and say, I've got a question. I'll answer to your question. Um, the only way you can find out whether people are interesting or whether they're talking nonsense or not in the end is to conduct a test. So with our straighten, for instance, originally I said, uh, this costs so much, yeah? And then I said, Oh, you can try it for nothing. And then I change it to what I what it is now, which is I said, send me a dollar. Yeah. Um, just one dollar. Yeah? And you can try it for a month. And if you don't like it, tell me, <laughs> tell me to sort off. Yeah. Well the one dollar is the offer is the one that works. Because the free offer is it's something where, you know, it's free if you haven't paid any money. It's not worth anything. But there is something strange in human psychology that when they part from it with money, any amount of money, no matter how small, all of a sudden they are different. They've become a different animal. They've become a customer. Yeah? 
So the only answer to any question, run a test. Now, I run tests all the time. I spend a lot more time than I guess I contemplate looking at the results of what we do. So this morning I wrote three things to go up on LinkedIn. And yesterday I wrote two emails, yeah, I think two or three, yeah, which will go out over the next three or four days, yeah. And I'll just be looking to see what happens, yeah. All the time, I spend all my time looking, putting stuff out, looking to see what happens. And it's the same thing with anything, you know, doesn't matter what you're selling. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. It, it's important to tack, track, test, measure. Uh, and uh, you're absolutely right. In fact, uh, the number of uh, so-called marketing specialists who will say, do this, 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 and it's going to work. And you think, well, you don't know that's going to work. Just because you've seen it work for somebody else or some other product, you don't test the headline, the sub-headline, the... The copy is a video sales letter. What's the platform? It's different for YouTube to do uh, LinkedIn to Facebook to direct mail to radio. Uh, and some, uh, I've learned the hard way. And obviously, I've been lucky enough to be around you for a, a long time. Uh, and uh, you've taught me at to, uh, two things. In fact, the first thing that I learned from you, I think you quoted Peter Drucker at the time, was that the first rule uh, or aim of a business is not to make a loss. And as a, the first aim of business to, is to avoid making a yeah, loss. Yeah, and, and as obvious as that seems, uh, when, and we were talking about businesses failing earlier uh, well, at the start, is uh, they fail because they run out of cash, basically. No business ever fails because they run out of ideas. The owner has way too many ideas that they can never implement. It's because they run out of cash because they don't focus on the important things. And as you've said, Drayton, they don't track and measure consistently what's working, what's not working. Uh, so that's kind of a, 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 a big deal that people should focus more on. But I want to... I'll tell you the thing that I noticed in the current situation, because I'm rather a sad person, because it doesn't matter what's going on, I'm always thinking about business in the back of my mind. So... So we've been going around, or I haven't actually, but uh, uh, the, the, the lady who does the shopping here, uh, been going around to, to buy fruit and vegetables, yeah? And when uh, the, the lockdown started, she said, it's really interesting. She said, um, I'm finding that the fruit and vegetables I get from the little shops. Uh, she goes to one shop, it's run by an Albanian guy, yeah? Yeah. She said, very good. Um, she said, it's very good. And she said, they're taking money away from the supermarkets. And I said, yeah, but they won't, they won't keep taking it away. And she said, why? And I said, well, because they will not do the most important thing that they should do now, and the most important thing just about anybody should do most of the time. And she said, what's that? I said, they're not building a database. Yeah. The, the, these are, this is extremely important. If you have customers, then I can tell you, because I've measured it repeatedly, that the customer you've got is three to eight times more likely to buy from you than somebody identical who is not a customer. And this means that other than what you sell, the most valuable thing in your business is your database. I always remember when, 
when I was having the American Express account around the world, uh, I they asked me to talk in New York to their all their top bananas, and my partner in New York was really uh, dear Joe Pickles, who died about six months ago. He said, oh, I'll better introduce you to the guy who's the guy to talk to. He's very smart. And he was a guy, and he gave me very good advice. He said, he said, he said, he said for these people, Brendan, he said, he said, you stand up and talk like a professor. He said, that will impress them. <laughs> and I asked him about how he was involved with that with American Express. And what happened was, somebody from American Express said, in New York said, who, this database that you're talking about, um, who, who controls it? Who's, where is it? And they said, oh, it's this guy, so-and-so, he's got it. They didn't even have their own database, yeah? Yeah. So other, other than what you sell and your staff, yeah, your database is the most important thing. So if you're not building a database, you're an idiot. And the other thing that people don't understand is... Oh, I don't want to bore people. I'll write them a letter every every month, or I'll send them an email once a month or once a week. I email six times a week, sometimes seven times a week. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, "What do you email?" I said, "Well, I spend a lot of my time thinking of interesting things to send to people." Yeah. Mm. Um. That's what I spend my time. To. That's on the marketing side, you know, as opposed to the business. I'm always thinking, "What can I say to people that they'll find interesting?" Yeah. That's all. What can I say? And then say, if you find that interesting, drop me a line, did I do that? Yeah. But most people don't communicate enough to their most important asset, and they don't even create their most important asset, which is a database. And this applies whether you're a huge business or a tiny business. There is no difference. I found, particularly with American Express, because I used to handle that all over the world, and that was the most interesting business to me, and a very good business. Um, they did things that other businesses don't do. And I always remember they did things that still most businesses don't do. And you'll know this if you've ever dealt with a bank or any of these big, fat, useless organizations we all suffer from. The people at American Express, the top people, used to get on the phone and listen to customer conversations. Yeah. And there's another good joke about I like uh, from a guy who was uh, used to get caught robbing banks in New York. And he used to get, get caught repeatedly. Um, and eventually I've got a picture somewhere of a New York detective, two New York, two or three New York detectives with him after they arrested him. And apparently one of them said to him, why do you keep robbing banks? And he said, because that's where the money is. Mm. And he got to spend. So I spent all my time thinking, where is all the money? I'll tell you where the money is. In, it's in your customers and it's in your staff. Yeah. Um, and I can remember, I, I feel so strongly about that. I remember IBM came to see me one day about something, and I said, you know, you have really upset one of my art directors. She's, she's been in tears with the number of changes you keep on making. You can't get together and make one lot of changes and something. You keep on changing, 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 you know, dithering. And she's in. And he said, well, you know, that's where they operate. we operate. We operate. You can't. You know, you really can't talk to an IBM like that. And I said, well, I just didn't. I'll tell you what, I can always get more of you, but I can't always get more of her. It's taken me two bloody years to train her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
true. Mm. Manoj says that he totally agrees with you. He has a, a bridging company where they loan money and he's saying most of his consistent repeat business comes from clients. So it, it's about having regular communication and obviously uh, a fantastic level of service. Now, Drayton, you and I could be here all day, as you know, when you and I get on the phone, sometimes it's a five minute phone call and then an hour later, we're still saying, oh, well, we've got two more things to talk about. So I know you and I always tend to go, go on for too long uh, and we're going to wrap this up. Uh, if you, if there's somebody out there who wants to get in touch with you, uh, obviously wants to uh, learn uh, from your best part of 55, 60 years worth of experience in direct marketing, in copywriting, uh, in how to build a business, because of course you had uh, the largest direct marketing agency in the country when you sold it to Ogilvy yeah. and, and Mather. How can people get in touch with you? You can either write to me at Drayton at DraytonBurt.com uh, and I always reply. If I don't reply, it's because something had gone astray, but I do correspond with people all over the world all the time. And if you ask me a question, as long as it's not, can you tell me how to build my business? But a simple question, I'll always answer it. And if you want to know a lot more of what I've been talking about, well, you need to look at our straighten and give it a month's spin uh, for a, a dollar. Actually, we even give the month a dollar back and people don't like it. <laughs> but they, they, uh, so those are the two ways to, to get in touch with me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you go onto my website, which is a very original name, Drayton at Drayton.com. I wonder where you go. Um, I wonder how long it took, it took you to come up with that name, Drayton. It's, it's a family name. It's my, el my I know, I know. eldest brother was Drayton. Yeah. His eldest brother was Drayton. That's where it comes from. Yeah. I always used to think it was worth money to me, that name. Um, but if you yeah. go onto the website, DraytonBird.com, on the top right hand, there's a very flattering picture of me. But there is an offer. Um, I'm writing a book at the moment about the most successful and wealthiest copywriter who ever lived, who used to get paid the equivalent of two and a half million dollars a year in the 1900s, yeah, over 100 years ago, because he was so good. He launched things like Pepsi and, and you know, cosmetics. Um, Quaker Oats, all sorts of things. In fact, for Pepsodent, he charged them a thousand, a thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, just for doing the job. Actually, <laughs> showed them more. But he wrote a very short book called the Scientific Advertising. Yeah. And David Ogilvy said of this book, he said, "This book changed the course of my life." And so I think about forty-two pages long. It's incredibly simple. Every single thing he says, with one exception, is absolutely applies today. There is nothing that, that was said then that doesn't apply today. There is no, we, we regularly use headlines slightly adapted that were written in the 1920s, and so do other people, because time still, the great man, the man who sort of really focused on testing what works and what doesn't, John Cables. He said, times change, people don't. And we use that headline that he wrote in 1923, which runs, well, they laughed when I sat down at the piano, yeah. but when I started to play, we used that a month ago for a time, it worked like a charm. 
because human nature doesn't change. You know? It doesn't. I, when I write my stuff, which I do every day, I write. I have the same things in mind as when I used to write advertisements fifty years ago, because the people are the same. The only thing that's different is it shoots out over the ether, yeah. Instead of going through the post or appearing in an advertisement or on a television commercial, always the same. It's the same if I'm making a speech. Um, I make a lot of speeches and bore the pants off people all over the place. It's always the same. I'm thinking, you know, how do I get people's attention? And this is the, you know, once I've got their attention, how do I get them interested? And once I've got them interested, how do I get them? How do I convince them that what I'm saying is not a load of bullshit? Yeah? Mm. And once I've convinced them, how do I get them to reply? And that's all it is. That's all marketing is. Yeah, get people's attention, offer them something they can't resist. Convince them that you're telling the truth. Ask them to reply, that's it. And then job done. Well, it's been fantastic to have you. And I know uh, people have, have asked some questions. I'm sure they've found great value. There's a direct way to contact you. And I know uh, you'll, as you've already said, happily answer their questions. Uh, so thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. My pleasure, Charles. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.